Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jerry Springer. Back him up. Yeah. Please, 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 no pushing. What's going on, Gene? Well, you know, I, I, I come up, <laughs> come up with a lot of ideas. I have, no, you, I got no, an idea, don't. Megan. What you got, Gene? Well, um, hey, by the way, do you know that Jerry is kind of a? And you said this on an episode previously. He's kind of a savant. He is. Yes. And a savant, you would define. Very specific and unusual intelligence. Intelligence. <laughs> Fo- photographic memory <laughs> might be a part of that. How do you spell that? Yeah, very unusual, specific. And by the way, give him the respect that's due. He's a <laughs> Tulane graduate. That's yes. a great school, by the way. A great private school, university. Great football team. New Orleans. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <clears throat> He's a Northwestern University law grad. Yeah. He oh was gosh. one of the smartest kids at Forest Hills High School. Okay. He's very bright. In fact, I'll make this point. Right now, Jerry, this is unrehearsed. It's not. We had, it's certainly unrehearsed. It. I'll tell you that. Name the presidents from start to finish. Do Go. It. Name Ge- them. George Washington, John Adams, uh, Thomas Jefferson, James Monroe, uh, uh, James Madison, James Monroe, John Quincy Adams, Andrew Jackson, Martin Van Buren, William Henry Harrison, uh, uh, John Tyler, uh, uh, Polk, uh, Zachary Taylor, Millard Fillmore, Franklin Pierce, now hold James up, by Buchanan, the way, because he can go Lincoln. all the way through. He can go all the way Crazy. through, man. <laughs> so insane. I mean, you can tell that he can go all the way through. Oh yeah, Jerry. You really in 19, didn't tell me you no, were we didn't. This. In 1940 <laughs> something, maybe 50 something. Yeah. You watched the, I believe it was the Ingemar Johansson. Uh, Patterson fight. Ni- January 26. June 26, 1950. Recite right now what the. Good uh, evening, radio. Americans and everyone across the scene, Canada and Europe. Johansson and Patterson. There's third meeting in the guessing game right up to ringside. At long range, Patterson is left jab as Johansson and Black Trunk, both men in Black Trunk, circling around from left to right. Patterson up. Megan, is he reading it? Megan, me? is he reading it? He's no, not. that is sick. Unbelievable. It <laughs> is. I'll tell yes. you why I remember that. Well, I had just gotten, I was a big fan of uh, boxing, and uh, Ingemar Johansson was this guy from Sweden, and uh, he, he was so unlike what you think boxers are. I mean, you know, he read Shakespeare. He was in the theater. He just had this very powerful right hand. And he was pretty much of a playboy. Yeah. So he came over to America. It was like 10 to 1 that he would lose the fight against Patterson for the heavyweight championship. But he was from Sweden, and he came to America. He brought his girlfriend. He was living with his girlfriend, which was unheard of. And they went up to Grossinger's, a resort in the Catskills. And to train for the fight, but he didn't train. He just sat around and played the guitar, and for a half hour a day, he would close the gym, and he would have what he called his training. He says, I don't need to train because I got thunder and lightning. He had a right hand, which was the most powerful right hand in boxing. He says, if I land the right hand, the fight's over. And everyone thought, oh, this is nonsense. This is garbage. But it was a televised fight. This was going to be great. Um, And Patterson, as I said, was a 10-to-1 favorite. And I just thought, oh, this was great. Now, my dad, back then, fights were on radio. Sure. And so you just listen to, and to listen to a heavyweight championship fight 
on radio was really exciting because you can you picture it there and they're, they're, the announcers are talking so fast. It's all up, it's all up, down goes Patterson, you know, and they're doing all that stuff. So, but for the first time, they were going to show the fight in movie theaters. It was closed circuit. So you would buy a ticket, go to the local movie theater and watch the fight. Huh. So David and I went to the thing. And this was a, really exciting. I had just for my prior birthday, my parents got me a tape recorder. Remember those big spool tape recorders? And so dad uh, taped the radio broadcast of it. Yeah. You know, I asked, could you do that? And we went to the fight and it was so exciting. Johansson won. I was just going crazy. And I listened to that tape so many times memorized that now 70 years later I, I, I just but you can do other stuff take you New York you New York Yankee stuff. history you know everything you probably know it's weird with what, the, his, what his memory of Dave crazy Jerry here's the point you, you ask the right questions that shows how smart he is Megan there's an app called HQ yeah yeah you put it on your phone yeah I have it and it plays two times a day at three and then at nine at night it's coming up here as we are recording this episode and it's 12 questions. Mm -hmm. It's trivia. It's this kind of crap that he knows. Crap. It is no, crap. stuff, stuff. <laughs> no valuable information. I've tried, <laughs> Megan, I've been playing it. I can't get past five or six. It's yeah, I think 12. Six, six is like my limit. And tonight right. there's like at nine o'clock $5,000 on the line on the weekend. I think it was like 50 <clears throat> grand or something last weekend. Yeah, 20 grand. Yeah, 20 Something 50. like that. If you can get to the 12th question and get it right, then you split the money with whomever else got that far, and that's a small number of people. Mm -hmm. I propose that starting tonight, when we get together, on a previous episode, we talked about bonding. Uh -huh. It would help our team. You we can monetize bond. him. We can monetize it. <laughs> Here's what we're going to do. Tonight at 9 o'clock, as we're having no. our post-show and then planning dinner, no, yeah. I'm going Skyline to Chili, yeah, I'm no, no, while we're there... I'm going to pull it up. I got to make sure my battery. I got plenty I of battery. <laughs> we're going to pull it up, Megan. And then we're going to have Jerry. No. And I'm going to be the one because it goes to my PayPal account. And then we're going to have Jerry. <laughs> and every question's multiple choice. Well, oh, I went to college. It's called water. multiple guests, by the way. Yeah. The multiple yeah. choice. <laughs> and you're going to say, Jerry, which one? Which one? You got no, 10 seconds no, to answer. I don't uh, see. And, and this is the truth. I don't know trivia. I mean, you don't. When, I don't know pop culture trivia. I mean, when people don't like it. You, you are pop culture trivia. How do you not yeah, yeah. know it? <laughs> That's a good point. Like, your answers no, for some of these. No, people talk about various popular songs or various groups or whatever, you know, and the, the kids who work on our kids the, the in kids. their 20s, 30s, <laughs> they work on our show. You know, they're all talking about these things. I don't have a clue. And even some of the references that people make on stage about what's going on, the, you know, the language. I don't mean dirty language. I'm just talking about, sure. you know, whatever the colloquialisms are. I have no well, idea. I think we're going to be okay because HQ doesn't get, from what I've noticed, get so much into pop culture stuff. It's more brainiac stuff, nerd stuff. It's like You're a big planet, nerd. science, <laughs> huge math, it's literature. Yeah. I think, Jerry, you got to get us to the finish line. I got to give me <laughs> some money. And need so, some walking around money what's, over there. what's yeah. different than the normal week? Yeah, normal. <laughs> week. <laughs> money. Another week that yeah. Gene's trying to get, get money. money. We don't need to play a game. Just <laughs> do your regular begging and you then we'll it. get it. You got it. You got it. Well, it's, it's a, uh, I, I, think, I think we can do it and we, we, we got to do it. We just got to do this. And by the way, we have, 
We had last week Actually, on I'm our podcast. Actually, I'm not allowed to. I'm a professional. <laughs> yeah, you're a professional. <laughs> we had... Uh, it's an amateur game. I can't. A duo last week, really unusual pair, two guys, <clears throat> called Dog Yomp. D-A-W-G-Y-A-W-P. Dog Yomp. And they are unique. Very. A sitar and a guitar and great singers. Mm-hmm. Great blended voices so they're going to be we asked them if they would come back and they have agreed to so we have them again tonight and uh jerry we wanted to ask you north korea is a big topic in america these days and today as we record this podcast the head of south korea was in washington dc at the white house meeting with our president donald trump And they're strategizing about this August 12th summit that is set with the head of North Korea. And what is your take on these ongoing developments? It kind of changes uh, sometimes by the week, but what's your take on North Korea these days? Well, whether, obviously, as we're recording this, we don't know whether that's going to take place, but whether or not it takes place, I think we know the final result, at least in part, is and that is North Korea is not going to give up all its nuclear weapons. That is a fantasy. And let's just very quickly review the history. After World War II, Japan surrendered, of course, and then the victors, in this case the Soviet Union and the United States, would basically divide up much of the world in terms of which countries, uh, you know, had been defeated during the war. And for example, Eastern Europe went mostly into the Soviet column. Uh, Berlin was divided up among the four powers of the Allies. And, uh, And then Southeast Asia. And when Japan surrendered, there was the Korean Peninsula. And it became occupied by the Soviet Union and the United States. They divided it up. In the middle of the country was what we call the 38th parallel. Everything north of the 38th parallel, the Soviet Union took over. And everything south of the uh, parallel, the United States uh, initially occupied. And so that's how we got North and South Korea. But the United States then very quickly, with President Truman, became very concerned about suddenly the expansion of the Soviet Union. I mean, it was really moving very quickly to what we thought at that point was to try to take over much of the world with communism. That was the great fear. North Korea sent troops into South Korea. In fact, so successfully in the late 1940s, 1950, and got all the way down to Seoul. Finally, the United States went to the United Nations, said we have to stop this. The United States passed a resolution by the way, the United Nations passed the resolution. The only reason the resolution passed is because the Soviet Union didn't veto it, and they didn't veto it because they were boycotting the United Nations at the time. They weren't happy that the United Nations didn't recognize, at that time, communist China. So the United Nations troops, under the direction of uh, a gov- uh, governor, uh, uh, General Douglas MacArthur, pushed back the North Koreans, to the 38th parallel. And then Douglas MacArthur wanted to go even further. So he goes all the way up through North Korea, and he's ready to go into China. President Truman says, whoa, stop. We're not going to go into China and all of a sudden start another world war. MacArthur wanted to do it. 
MacArthur was lobbying various senators to try to get that done. Truman found out about it. We have a civilian government. We can't let generals run the country. And so he fired, very famously, Douglas MacArthur. There was a big uproar. But in any event, the, 38, the troops came back, and there we had, starting in 1950, the 38th parallel, the Northern, North Korea and South Korea. And we had a war. Now, Stalin, the head of the Soviet Union, wanted to continue this war because he wanted to expand communism. So it was a serious war. We lost 38,000 American soldiers were killed in the Korean War, 38,000. And 1.2 million or so civilians were killed over there. So we talk about World War II, but a hell of a lot of people died in the Korean War. Stalin wanted to expand, etc. Eisenhower ran for president and then in 1952, got elected on the promise that if I'm elected, I will go to Korea and end the war. And Eisenhower was a world hero in a sense, you know, having been the guy that led the forces that won the Second World War. And so he had real uh, you know, gravitas. He goes to Korea, and two things happened. A month or two before, Stalin died. And so now there was, it wasn't clear who was going to lead the Soviet Union. So suddenly there was no one in the Soviet Union suddenly pushing the continuation of the Korean War. And so Eisenhower was able to get a truce. And so what we have since 1953 is an armistice. North Korea, South Korea facing each other at the 38th parallel, and there's an armistice, so there's virtually no shooting every once in a while. There's an incident, but basically a non-shooting war that to this moment, there has not been a signed peace. It looks like a possibility that in the next month or two, we could get a signed peace, at least on that, on the Korean War. Now, North Korea, in the meantime, has built up has gotten nuclear weapons. And of course, that's a great fear of the rest of the world because it's a tyrannical government. It appears to be totally unstable in terms of the, the three leaders it's had, all from the same family, you know, grandfather, then father, then the son. And they've, this regime has run total dictatorial country and it's, they keep the rest of the world out it's a scary place, and we don't want them to have nuclear weapons. But we don't always get what we want. So what Trump originally was saying in trying to get, you know, something going on with Korea, which no other president so far has been able to do, is Trump initially was saying they got to get rid of their nuclear weapons or we'll obliterate them. And they were getting into a pardon the language, a pissing contest, you know, Kim Jong-un and Trump, who was the bigger guy, who had the bigger missiles. I mean, it was embarrassing, but that's what was going on. And then suddenly, a couple of weeks ago, it looks like, oh, wait a second. Kim Jong-un said, yeah, we, I'll sit down and talk with the president and be willing to talk about denuclearizing North Korea, starting to get rid of the weapons. But starting to get rid of the weapons is what every American president has dealt with, and it never really happens. So where are we now? Trump is now saying, because he doesn't want it to look like he wasn't able to do better than the other American presidents, say, saying, I'll meet with him, but he has to agree to get rid of all his nuclear weapons, period. 
not gradually, but boom, overnight, like they did in Libya. Well, now all of at first it seemed like, oh, wow, this could really happen. So for all the bad things we say about Trump, this could have been something good. But it never seemed to make sense, and now Kim Jong-un is kind of going back on it. The reason North Korea won't give up its nuclear weapons is because that is the one thing, and perhaps the only thing, which has kept the regime for these 70 years, 65 years, in power. Because no one wants to attack a country that has nuclear weapons. That is its security. The day that Kim Jong-un gives up North Korea's nuclear weapons, they, Koreans absolutely believe it's their Bible that it's that America will eventually invade, that America will get rid of the regime and take over the country. They believe that. You and I can sit here and say, we're not going to take over North Korea. We have no interest in doing that. We just don't want the nuclear weapon. They don't believe that. And because they, it has been drilled into their heads since 19, early 50s that America will invade North Korea. Remember, we're the only country in the history of the world to drop a nuclear bomb, the atom bomb. So it's not like, oh, America would never do that. And the people in Southeast Asia also remember the Vietnam War with the napalm and how we destroyed villages and all the people that were killed there. So these people, they, their nuclear weapons is not because they want to blow up the world. They believe that we really will invade them. So why would they give it up? Now, I know Trump has said, and maybe for the moment he believes it, look, you give up those weapons, and we are going to give you economic aid. Life is going to be great for you people. We'll sign the deal, I promise you. Well, why is he going to believe that? Just two months ago, we ripped up the Iran nuclear deal, right? I mean, he, Trump got out of the uh, environmental pact, you know, uh, also out of the trade deals. Well, he changes his mind. Why, knowing that your only security is having those nuclear weapons, that means no one will invade you, why would you give that up? Even if Trump were honest, how do you know the next president's going to stick by the deal? We have now set the precedence. This was the danger of Trump, of what he's been doing. We have let the world know that there's no purpose in making a deal with us because a deal can always be ripped up. It can be ripped up by the same president. It can be ripped up by a new president. So when you're in an argument, a debate, lawsuit, negotiations, whatever it is, you always have to put yourself in the position of the opposition. There is no reason North Korea would give up its nuclear weapons. So what we have to do is to recognize we have to start bringing North Korea into the family of nations. There have to be negotiations. There has to be, maybe they will have some lesser weapons. Maybe they'll give up some of it. Maybe there'll be more economic aid. Maybe we got to do all that stuff because as soon as a country becomes part of the community of nations, it is less likely to want to go to war. There's a reason no one has ever fired nuclear weapons after we dropped the atom bomb. Because everybody knows that the first missile you set off is the end of your existence. Everybody knows that if North Korea sends off one missile, 
the nation will be obliterated. Everyone will be dead. They know that. And everybody knows that. Look, we had the Cold War for 50 years. Soviet Union and America, we could blow up the world 100 times over. And nobody ever did. Because everybody knew the first missile is the end of the world. Or the end of your country. And that's the same thing with North Korea. So we need to start bringing them into the family of nations. We need to sign the peace agreement for the end of the Korean War after all these years. We need to start to negotiate some of their development, make them less hostile, give them less reason to want to go to war. That will build assurances that we're not going to invade them. That is what we ought to be doing in Korea. All right. As Jean mentioned, we um, have our friends Dog Yelp back here this evening. We're excited to have them. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, good. How are you doing? Welcome back. Been a while. Yeah. (laughs) Sure has. Yeah. Could have at least changed your outfit. (laughs) Same for you there, Spurn. Oh. (laughs) That's what my mom says to me all the time. (laughs) And why don't you guys introduce yourselves? I'm sorry we didn't talk about that last week. I'm Tyler Randall, playing the sitar. And I'm Rob Keenan, playing the guitar. Guitar and sitar, love it. <laughs> All right. So what do you have prepared for us this evening, gentlemen? So this next song is a new song we've been working on called Tearing Up. Tearing Up. Mm-hmm. All right. Was it just because 
That's that's newer. You guys have just written that, or just started working. Yeah, on that we. Song? It's a new one. We um. Yeah, we recorded it. <laughs> We've recorded it, but we haven't released it yet. Okay. Now, when um, do you guys have an album coming out anytime soon, or all in process right now? We have all these songs done, and we've changed some things up um, on the business side. So we're just kind of waiting for the right time to. Sure. Release them into the wild right now. And release them to the wild. Yeah, we really we really like them. In the meantime, we can check you guys out on Spotify, mm -hmm. and where else can we hear your music? Uh, you can go to NPR. We did a Tiny Desk concert a little while ago. Very cool. Very, very cool. What are you going to play for us next? We're going to play a song called Lost at Sea. Lost at Sea, okay. And we usually do it with uh, electric guitars in the background and bass and drums and stuff, so this will be a stripped-down acoustic version. Cool. Lost at Sea with Dog Yelp.
lost at sea Could it be sweet Lost at sea you guys that was really cool very very cool thank you and this is dog yop and we can check them out on spotify check out their music we love having you guys back tonight thank Thanks, you so much yeah. yeah let's hear it again for him ladies and gentlemen hey. thank you very much all right you know what time it is jerry y'all warmed up you ready to do this <laughs> okay i think i'm ready <laughs> well down by the riverside thanks a lot guys we're gonna jump right into it um I'm gonna lay down our heavy load. Don't lay down my heavy load. Down by the riverside. Down by the riverside. Listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Foolery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. Oh, no, no, no.